Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Well, before I tell you who's on this week's show, I have some exciting news for you. The Parting Shots Podcast is now available on Apple Podcast. You can subscribe there now and listen to the podcast on your smartphone. All of my previous podcasts are there now. I hope you subscribe, and I appreciate that you do. Well, we have a jam-packed show for you this week. Pat Leonard, the New York Giants beat writer for the New York Daily News, discusses Coach Pat Shermer's decision to bench quarterback Eli Manning in favor of rookie Daniel Jones. And Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly makes his weekly appearance to talk about the five high school football games to watch this weekend. First up, if you listened to last week's podcast, you'll know that I went down to my hometown of Philadelphia to visit my mom and help her with some things around the house during my vacation. It just so happened that the Philadelphia Flyers were opening training camp for the 2019-20 NHL season. So, I figured it was a great chance to catch up with Flyers defenseman and former Union Hockey standout Shane Gossesbear. He had a difficult 2018-19 season, but with a new coaching staff in place and he's feeling healthy, Gossesbear is ready to tackle the new season. I spoke with Shane after practice last Friday at the Flyers Gate Zone in Voorhees, New Jersey. Uh, Shane, uh, just talk about last season. How, how frustrating was it uh, for you? It's just, uh, I mean, you talked about at the end of the season playing with an injury at the knee, you could put him blocking a shot. Just, I mean, just talk about how difficult it was. Yeah, I mean, uh, tough season for me personally. You know, tough season for us all. I mean, uh, you know, going through a lot of changes throughout the season. You know, new GM and new coaching staff and different coaches coming in. You know, it's, it's tough, but I think a lot of us learned. Uh, you know, not only on the ice, but, you know, mentally off the ice. And, you know, that's what I took away from it. You know, it was obviously a down year, but, you know, you know, we have a blank page here, blank sheet, and, you know, it's exciting and some good things are going to happen around here. What was the offseason like for you this year? Any different from past years? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, focus a little more on my body, uh, you know, what I put into it and, and whatnot and nutrition and, you know, really focusing on, you know, healing up and, you know, getting better. So, you know, I think for me personally, it was a really good summer and I'm looking to carry it over into the season. Uh, as you mentioned, there's been coaching changes here. So you're going to play your third coach uh, in the five years you've been here. Uh, what's different about Elaine Vigneault as opposed to the past coachers? Uh, I think just, uh, you know, maybe a little bit communication, you know, maybe he comes in here, he gives us, you know, a blueprint of what, you know, our systems are going to be, you know, everyone's on the same page pretty early, so um, no, no knack on the other coaches, just, you know, he has a he has a strong game plan and, you know, he's looking to execute it. You pair with Justin Braun out there on the, uh, what is he, what, what's it like to play with him uh, today and what kind of uh, difference will he help you with your game? Yeah, for sure, I mean, you know, he's a veteran presence, he's been in the game for, you know, 600 games, so, you know, he helped me, you know, we chatted before, you know, what we like, what we don't like, and, you know, how we could, you know, mesh together well. You know, he's obviously a more defensive guy, and he's going to try and get me the puck in the O zone, and, you know, in the D zone, he's going to talk to me a lot. I mean, I told him I'm all ears back there, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And, you know, I think it's a good balance so far. You know, it's been a, it's been a good partnership. 
How's your confidence? Is it better going into the season than it was at the end of last season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's it's definitely, you know, up there. You know, I'm looking for, you know, obviously a bounce back year, not only personally, but, you know, as a team, I think, you know, the most important thing is, you know, we have a bunch of new guys, new faces, new coaching staff, new GM. So, you know, I think it's good to, you know, have a, a lot of talk around, a lot of buzz, but, you know, it's up to us to go put the product out there. One last question, Shane. Uh, this is from my son, Stephen. He's majoring in communications at uh, Albany. He's a sophomore. We just became owners of uh, a little puppy, two months old. Uh, you know, you're very strongly the presence about your dogs on social media. What uh, suggestions do you have for a first-time dog owner? Uh, you know, you got to take care of it. I think the first uh, year is the toughest one. I mean, it's pretty much a baby. You got to have uh, eyes peeled on it, eyes open. You know, every time you got to be aware of it. A little bit of anxiety, but. You know, it's the best thing when once they get on a schedule and, you know, know your needs and you know what their needs are, so it's good. Shane, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I also spoke with some of his teammates. First up, Captain Claude Giroux. Yeah, well, it goes, uh, we know what he can do, and uh, maybe he hasn't had a great year like his rookie year, but, you know, he's uh, he's a great player. He plays uh, he plays the right way. He's got a good stick, and uh, he wants to win, so uh, I'm not worried about goals. Next, for Jake Voracek. Well, obviously it's important because he's uh, everything is run through him, right? So it's important for him to be uh, at the top of his game. But uh, you know, there's a lot of times, and with a lot of players, you guys don't know all the insights, right? Mm-hmm. That he was hurt, maybe a little bit. A lot of guys were banged up. You guys don't know that, and then you guys make uh, making uh, you know articles and making imp- uh, now the stories of ending that about the player how his season was, mm-hmm. and you don't know the insights. So, you know, Ghost is a fantastic player. Everybody knows that, and I'm sure he's going to be fine this year. Finally, new Flyers defenseman Justin Braun, who is expected to be Shane's partner this season. your thoughts of being paired with him? What do you, what do you think of Ghost and what you've seen so far? Really impressive so far. You know, tons of skill. I probably, you know, played with a, a guy like that and, uh, ever with, uh, you know, moves like that, vision, uh, you know, just really quick out there. And like I was saying, uh, you know, there's a few kinks in the D zone that we got to work out and just kind of coverages. But, you know, I think time together we can get there. Yeah, you're more of a defensive defenseman and Shane's offense. I mean, how, how important is it to, to be able to mesh the two and you be a cohesive unit? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you got to play to your strengths out there. And, uh, you know, if you, you know, go D to D to him on the point, if he wants to be a shooter, that's fine with me. Or, you know, whatever relief, if he wants to jump in, I can stay back. If I'm jumping in, he'll stay back. So, you know, it's just kind of it's, it's learning a new guy. You know, I played with, you know, a lot of other guys over the years, but, you know, he's a whole different different breed you know it's kind of like uh you know he's a mix between a few guys i've played with over the years like, <laughs> like you know, play, oh yeah bernsey and carl you know a little yeah. little smaller stature but you know that much skill um yeah. I mean, obviously being in that west with san jose you didn't see much of him twice a year but at the times you did see him what were your thoughts what, what impressed you the most yeah i think it was always them on the power play you know that that group was always really tough to uh you know, defend coming in the zone, which is, you know, some, we, we had a pretty good stand in San Jose, but they would seem to find a way to weave their way in and, uh, you know, quick puck movement. But, yeah, you know, they got, uh, you know, that first unit was always really impressive with him running it back there. So, uh, you know, I expect more of the same this year. I got to ask Flyers general manager Chuck Fletcher and new head coach Elaine Vigneault about Shane. First up is Fletcher, followed by Vigneault. I've watched from afar for most of his career. Sure seemed like a couple of years ago everything he shot running the net and he had some uh, a couple of prolific seasons offensively. Last year, again, I wasn't here at the beginning. Uh, 
I don't think he was completely healthy all year. He seemed to have a little bit of an issue with the knee that uh, he seemed to battle with for a lot of the year, and I, I believe we have in a good place right now. Uh, but, you know, confidence is a funny thing. I don't know if it's physical, mental, uh, but there's no question he wasn't as effective last year as in previous years. But I could say that about most of the players on the team, from what I've seen from the outside and speaking with their group. So uh, he has an opportunity this year to, to come back and, be the player that he wants to be, a new coaching staff, a new set of eyes. Um, you know, today he was paired with, with Justin Braun, which makes an awful lot of sense when you think about their uh, contrasting styles and how they can complement each other. But, uh, you know, he, he was here almost every day of the summer. He's putting the time in. Um, he's not satisfied with what happened last year. And that's, that's, you know, to be honest with you, the most important thing. So he recognizes it and he's going to put the time in. See, the, the beauty about being me right now is I wasn't here last year, and, and I I remember um, Shane, uh, from my time in New York, him being a, a real tough defenseman to play against. Good on the breakouts, jumping up, uh, up on the play at the right time, being real effective on the play. That's my recollection. Uh, don't know what happened last year. Don't care. So I'm going to let him. I'm going to let him. Like I thought today, he was intense. Uh, he had a real good pace to his practice, and I'm confident that he's going to follow it up tomorrow. With no one at all. So you had the team perspective about Shane Goss's bear. What about the media members who cover the team? I'll have their thoughts after this timeout. Hi, this is Hunter Moffitt, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletics. Notable Trophy Case team members include Dan Nolan, President and CEO of Hugh Johnson Advisors, owner of the Albany Empire, who says, Trophy Case is an innovative platform that has great potential for athletes. Nolan said, The feedback and experience brings value to athletes, parents, and sports affiliates in one network. I simply think of this as a combination of Instagram and LinkedIn for athletes. You can download the Trophy Case app at the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes, by athletes. Get it today. Welcome back to the Party Shots Podcast, which is now available on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today. Party Shots Podcast is also brought to you by Trophy Case, the app for athletes created by athletes. Download it today. Well, we heard from the Flyers organization about Shane Goss's bear. Now let's get the perspective of some of the media members who cover the team. Enjoy it. Jerry Baskell of phillysports.com. Uh, your thoughts about Shane. I know we talked earlier uh, this year on the podcast about Shane. What do you think with the new coaching staff? What does he have to do to get better? Shane has to play a little more sound defensively. Uh, AV system is... He likes his defenseman to jump up into the rush. 
but they also had to play sound defense. If he does not do that, he could very well find himself on the bench. But I think that uh, Ghost overall, you know, rebounds in a big way. I think he, I think he finds a niche with uh, AV, and I think this is a system that he's going to like because this is a high octane offensive system here. Um, they're going to be more reliable, and uh, you know, in their back end, he will transition, you know, better out of his own end, you know, and join the rush, which he likes to do. He's fast. And last year he took, you know, with his knee injury and just there was another injury on top of that. It just became too much and he couldn't use his speed to his, you know, his advantage. And I think that that, that's why that was one of the reasons he had a a down year last year was his speed wasn't there. And you saw his, uh, that knee must have been bothering him. He couldn't hit the net. And that's one thing on the uh, power play, which he's always been able to do, is he's able to get that wicked slap shot, you know, through and, you know, through the net. So I think, you know, that that knee must have been a little more hurt than I think he's given us uh, the information for, to be honest. He's had uh, odd years have been great. The even years have been not so good. How, how pivotal a <laughs> year is year five for him? Uh, this is a huge year. This is probably his biggest year in his career. Uh, you know, you're talking about uh, the first three years of his NHL career were fantastic. Everybody fell in love with Ghost. And then, you know, year four, it was anything but. And, you know, there were some people that were calling for his ouster. Some people wanted him to be traded. And some people were like, oh, Ghost just don't have it. And let's be honest here. He's never been the best defenseman, but he's always provided, you know, the offensive numbers. He's like, you know, Brett Burns is sort of, uh, you know, sort of the same player. And, look, he's winning Norris trophies and stuff like that. And Brett Burns isn't the best defenseman, in my opinion, anyway. You know, but his offensive numbers are there. If Ghost goes back, you know, to year three where he had a career year with 65 points, I think, uh, you know, we're going to be sitting pretty good. And, and it's highly possible this year. He's he's 100%. He's been, he's been at uh, Voorhees the entire summer training and working out. I think he knows how pivotal this year is and how key it is to you know, have that bounce back year. And the Flyers need him in a big way. They have, you know, young blue liners on the back end. But, you know, they got Felipe Myers. You know, even, uh, you know, Provy at 22 years old, even though he's, you know, our number one defenseman, he's still young, so he has to help mature him into the player he is. Travis Sandheim, you know, Robert Hag, Samuel Morin, they're all looking towards, you know, the vets. And that that, that on the back end, uh, you know, Ghost is a reliable vet back there that, you know, players look up to. Jamie, appreciate a couple of minutes. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's been an honor. You know, to come on for you and your uh, fans of your podcast, and uh, you know, I appreciate that. Sam Carcitti, the Philadelphia Inquirer, who covers the Flyers for the paper. Uh, your thoughts on Shane Gossesbury, year five with the team. How pivotal of a year is, is this for him? He's had year, uh, good years and the odd years, tough years and the uh, even years. Yeah, I think Ken, it is a, a big year for him, and uh, I think he'll bounce back. He. Uh, he just didn't seem himself. He seemed a little out of sorts last year, uh, both defensively and even offensively on the power play. I thought his entries, he was a little bit hesitant on his entries, and I thought that really hurt the power play. The power play was 22nd in the league last year. I don't want to put all the blame on Shane, but he certainly was part of the problem. And, uh, you know, he trained hard all summer, and he'll probably have Phil Myers as his partner today and uh, this year. And, and, and uh, you know, I think they showed some promise last year. They weren't together the whole year, of course, because Myers came up late. But uh, I think they're a, they're a good mix. I think Myers 
can join the rush, but he can also stay back. And I, I think it'll give Shane some freedom to be a little more creative. And uh, it's going to be interesting because this defense, is, as you know, is going to have a new look this year. You're going to have at least two new defensive players there. And I think I see Ghost probably on the third pairing, and, uh, uh, and I th- think he'll fit in well there. But the big key to me is his performance on the power play because he really makes it go when he's uh, in top form. On the third pairing, does that maybe take less, give him less pressure than, than maybe on the top pair? Yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, you know, they added two veteran guys, and I don't think they added the two veterans uh, to be third pairing guys. So I think Niskanen, uh, a lot depends on camp, but I, the way I see it, I think uh, Matt Niskanen will probably be on the top pairing with Provorov, and I see Justin Braun probably on the second pairing with Travis Sanheim. Again, a lot can change during camp because of uh, performance, because of injuries, but if you looked at it now, it looks like Ghost and probably Myers, but Myers is going to have to hold off uh, a veteran. Uh, a young veteran in Robert Haig, and a guy who uh, is kind of lost in the shuffle, Samuel Moran, who uh, uh, is really itching to get in here. And uh, But like I said, there could be injuries and there could be uh, different uh, combinations, but uh, I think the defense is uh, vastly improved from last year. Sam, appreciate a couple minutes. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ken. Bill Maltzer covers the Flyers for the uh, team website. Bill, uh, your thoughts about Shane Gossberry, your five with the team, critical year for him? Oh, 100% critical year. I, I think Shane's long-term future with the club depends on, on what happens this season. You know, Shane's had a, a kind of an alternating year pattern. Um, you know, first year, really, remember he lost that to an ACL tear, and then he came up the next year, um, was a Calder Trophy finalist, had a phenomenal year, as it said, a, uh, a rookie point streak record that year. And big things were expected for you know, Shane his second NHL season. Now there were injury issues. I mean, I remember he wasn't healthy in the playoffs. He had off-season surgery, but that second year was a disappointment. Year three was the total opposite. Year three was a tremendous year for for Shane, and he had a, he had a healthy summer. Came to camp in, in great shape last year. Was shooting the lights out in the preseason. If you would have asked me, I would have said he was going to have as good, if not better, of a year. And for whatever for whatever reason, you know, and there may have been some physical issues there too. I don't know. Um, it was a you know really poor year for Shane. He went backwards, not just offensively, but a lot of the things he cleaned up, you know, in terms of uh, some of his defensive issues. Um, they, all those issues came back last year. I think Shane is the guy who needs to be putting up points to have to have his confidence, and his confidence was down last year. So I think coming into this year, there, there's a lot for him to show. I think that uh, he may start out the year on, on the third pairing. Um, he'll still be, I think, on the top power play unit, but absolutely Shane has to have a big year this season. New coaching staff here with Elaine Vigneault. I mean, how important is it for Shane to impress uh, Elaine and the new staff? That's, that's always the case with a new coach. I mean, they, you know, everybody kind of starts with a clean slate, but, you know, but, uh, but everybody knows what happened last season. Um, they, they know that his minutes were down. Um, you know, he's got a, not, not just, you know, not just Vigneault, it's also Mike Yo as a new blue line coach um, you know he was here with Gord Murphy and he was here with Rick Wilson and some of the guys like like Travis Sanheim really kind of spread their wings and they took up you know took off to the next level under Rick and it didn't happen with Shane so you know he's got a he's got a new coach he has to develop a report with and you know I think I think Yoza will be a pretty good coach for him but I you know but at the same time he has to show it and and if he doesn't I mean they have they have 
competition for spots here. It's, it's not a, it's not totally unfathomable that if Shane struggles, he could find himself, you know, sitting a game or two. It's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Bill, appreciate your thoughts. Anytime. Steve Coach, radio analyst for the Flyers, joining me now. And uh, Coachy, uh, Shane Gossbear, beginning a real a critical year for him. Uh, how important? He's coming off a tough year. How important is it for him to bounce back? Well, I think you know sometimes in this business, too much too quick happens. And, you know, when Gossespierre first came here from Union College, he was going to be the next one. I mean, he had a great upside coming out of a, a championship in the NCAA with, with uh, Union College and uh, had that tough break where he tore his ACL, had to make a little bit of a setback. But I think that he had a really good year two years ago. I think, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was the Barry Ashby Award winner as the best defenseman in this hockey club. Great offensive upside. But I think one of the things that happens is that sometimes you get caught up in the fact that you're playing so well offensively, you forget that you're actually a defenseman. Games change a little bit where these uh, defensemen are a little bit more offensive-minded, but you got to take care of your own zone. This is a team that's had a problem with that over the last few years. So he gets caught up in that. And I think that if you understand uh, where you're going and how you're going to handle it, you work, work on your own zone first, and then the other end can come second. And that's because you are a defenseman and you do have a priority. He looks like he, uh, he could be on the third pairing this year. I mean, is that maybe put less pressure on to you know, help him with his defensive game? Well, knowing the ice time that he got prior, I would think he'd be pretty upset about being on a third line or a third pairing as far as defense is concerned. It's interesting how we always look at lines and defensive pairings and say, well, this is happening, that's happening. The, the, the combinations of permutations of number of times that those are going to change during a regular season is like insurmountable like this line and that line and you're not going to be oh you're back on the third line that's too bad you're back on the third pairing those things change according to who, how you play um, I think that Alan Vigneault is the type of coach that holds people accountable he'll make them work to become better and I think Gossespierre should benefit from that Coachy, appreciate a few minutes. Oh, my pleasure. Dave Isaac, who covers the Flyers for the Courier Post of Camden, New Jersey. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on Shane for his fifth full season with the Flyers. How critical of a year is this for him? It's definitely big because there's been so much inconsistency in his game, especially last year. He heard his name in trade rumors a lot. Uh, everybody says on the surface that, oh, you know, in one ear, out the other. But it, it, it pretty clearly got to him in, in some form. So I, I think he's got to put it together on the ice, and that'll lead to either him staying or going. But you, that's one of the things that players can't, can't control. So he's... Uh, it, it is a critical year because there, there's been so much expected of him, and he, he didn't quite put it all together last year, so he, he needs to now for sure. What does he do, have to do to get his confidence back? I think that mostly comes from the offensive side of his game. He wasn't able to get shots through on the power play last year. That was a really big uh, difference on, on a power play that really struggled on the whole, but he's the catalyst to it, and that when, when it wasn't going right for him, it wasn't going right for anybody else. So I think that's probably the biggest area that, that he needs to kind of look at and say this is this is where I'm going to have my starting point this year. Dave, appreciate a few minutes. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks to those media members for taking some time to give me their thoughts on Shane Goss's bear. Coming up, the New York Daily News' Pat Leonard talks about the big quarterback change for the New York Giants. Don't go anywhere. Hey, pro football fans, it's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com football 
and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week, and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, I'm Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Well, the time has come for New York Giants fans. They're going to see a new starting quarterback Sunday against Tampa Bay when Daniel Jones takes over Eli Manning. And the man who's covering the, the situation for the New York Daily News and fellow Holy Ghost Prep alum, uh, Pat Leonard, joining me here for a few minutes. Pat, uh, hello. How are you doing? Very well, Ken. Go Firebirds. Yes, right. Go Firebirds indeed. Uh, well, you've been writing about this for a couple of years now, the time for the Giants to um, you know, make the change from Eli Manning. Now it's happening. Uh, are you surprised that it, 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 it took this long and are you surprised at the timing of it? I am surprised. Well, no. You know what? I'm not, I'm not surprised because the longer I've been here, the more I've recognized um, how it works around here, how difficult it's been for John Mara and the Giants to say goodbye to Eli Manning. Uh, fortunately, Pat Shermer stood up and was the adult in the room and said it was time. Of course, there's some self-preservation behind that. He's 15-36 and 36 as an NFL head coach, uh, 0-2 this season, 11 or 5-13 and 13 so far with the Giants. And he knows very well that Ben McAdoo was 13 and 15 with a playoff burst. The only playoff burst in the last eight seasons, including this, when he was fired, he didn't even make it two years. Um, and so frankly, you know, I said in the preseason that they were going to put Jones in in week three, and I meant it because I knew um, who Shermer was, what kind of offense he wants to run, how high he was on Daniel Jones, and the fact that even though John Mara had to sign off on it, that it was ultimately going to be Shermer's call. How difficult was it for John Mara to sign off for this? Was he said back in the preseason he did not want to see Jones on the field at all this season? Right, and you know that's why this is clearly Shermer trying to push Mara in that direction to the point where he did sign off. Because if you noticed, you know, even though it was a blowout in Week One against the Cowboys, it's meaningful that Shermer put Jones in in that final series at Dallas. He goes three for four uh, passing and fumbles, but. Um, you know, when Mara said he didn't want to see Daniel Jones on the field, that was what he meant that he was truly hoping for. So that was Pat Shermer showing you this kid can do it in a regular season game, getting his feet wet. Um, and, you know, I think Mara certainly was – it's never easy, but it's easier for him to do it now when they draft a quarterback number six overall and they feel like that he's the, he is the next big thing versus two years ago where he clearly didn't feel – well, he, he did sign off on it. Uh, but, you know, they didn't have the number six overall pick in the building. Uh, Jones, you know, a lot of people were critical of the Giants for selecting Jones where he did, but he looked good in the preseason. But, how, you know, however, preseason games, I mean, you can take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, they're not running their uh, major offenses. But how impressive was he in the preseason? And that maybe uh, started accelerating the process. Yeah, for sure. No, they, they loved him to draft him as high as they did. But then the way he played in the preseason, and when I talk about how he played, I mean specifically a few things. Uh, His accuracy as a passer and his deep ball, he was really throwing nice deep balls, uh, showed good arm strength, showed poise. The only thing we didn't see is him take off and run, but you do see his mobility is able to kind of get outside the pocket and move, and that's what Pat Shermer is really looking for in his offense too, is another element 
uh, of beating a defense with the quarterback's legs, which Eli Manning could not provide. I mean, he's getting the start on the road at that first start. I mean, is that a good thing for him? Maybe that relaxes him a little bit? He's not under the pressure of the fans at, at uh, MetLife Stadium? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and it's not, uh, you know, it's not Lambeau Field, right? Right. Uh, no offense to Tampa Bay, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just another football stadium uh, where you're playing a, te- a team that's going to bring it, and it's an NFL team, so it's going to be tough, uh, but, I think you're right too. I do, I do think it's more of a um, more of a kind of a crazy stir of emotions in that like stadium and restlessness and mixed with people who want to see Jones versus people who think it's the wrong thing to go away from Eli and you know never want to let go of number ten. So I do think that there could be some uh, value in starting him on the road versus at home. As far as Eli is concerned, I mean, two Super Bowl championships, uh, but a record of 116 and 116 in his career. He's in his 16th season at the Giants. What is his legacy? Uh, Next, I think, you know, it's uh, one of the clutchest performers of all time. Uh, you know, his two Super Bowl runs and beating the Patriots, including the, you know, supposed, supposed to be undefeated Patriots in 2007. Uh, you know, those can never be taken away, and few quarterbacks have ever done what he's been able to do at that stage twice. Um, but at the same time, you mentioned it, he's a 500 quarterback, and frankly, I think that's fair. I think that's what he's been in his career in the regular season. He's always been a guy who one play can make the play that wins you the game, and the next play can make a play that loses you the game. Um, and so that's part of his charm as far as bouncing back and being resilient. When he does make mistakes and when the team is down, but it's also been part of the reason why not only have the Giants not made the playoffs often in his career, but also because despite a strong start as far as getting to those and winning those two Super Bowls and two MVPs, that now he will conclude his his career likely with only one playoff appearance in his final eight seasons. And as much as a lot of people want to blame other people for that, uh, offensive line, et cetera, and there's certainly other there's blame to go around. But Eli is right down, right smack dab in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, one thing I've always noticed about Eli, especially with the play clock, he always seems to not notice what the play clock is and gets himself in trouble with that. That's, I think, it's the one thing I've always noticed with him during his career. Yeah, I think uh, no, I think you hit on something interesting, and and it's a good point, poignant. I think uh, sometimes he makes mistakes that you know, if you if you are playing him because of his experience and his veteran experience, then it doesn't make sense when he makes mistakes like that. Um, you know, mistakes as far as, uh, you know, telling a guy not to score, like Rashad Jennings, or, um, you know, throwing the ball away uh, to stop the clock when he shouldn't. So there are things like that where you say, well, if our veteran, 16-year veteran quarterback is making those mistakes, then that's not even better than what our rookie would do anyway. I mean, there's a situation now with the other tenant there at MetLife saying the Jets. I mean, they're down two quarterbacks now. Do the Jets maybe look for some interest in trading for Eli? Or is, is Eli just not – just rather just sit out and, you know, just basically stay on the sidelines for the Giants for the rest of the season? No, I think, I think Manning's legacy – I don't think going to the Jets helps him here. The Jets don't even have a good enough team, and he's not good enough to elevate them anyway. Um, there are other teams that would make sense, you know, Chicago perhaps, Pittsburgh, uh, Tennessee, Jacksonville, where he either has relationships or the situation seems ripe 
for them to possibly pursue one Indianapolis. But, uh, you know, the fact is, I think he, the early indications at least are that he wants to retire a giant at this point. I also think that he had plenty of opportunities, especially after they drafted Jones, if he really wanted to play somewhere else. And if there were a market for him to kind of avoid the scenario that we've run into now. Um, but, you know, he decided to stay, and I think he understood the eventuality of Jones uh, replacing him. Um, and the Giants would barely get anything for him, if anything at all, if they did trade him. Uh, but I think that, you know, unfortunately, you look around the NFL, and you see guys dropping like flies, quarterbacks, and, you know, the backup's playing, even though he thought he was never going to get a chance in a lot of these places. So I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but... You know, we're an ankle turn away, uh, Daniel Jones' ankle turn away from Eli playing again. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he's, uh, you know, we, we might not have seen the last of him on the field. Final question for you. Is Eli a Hall of Famer? Uh, in my opinion, he is not. I think that, uh, well, you know, I don't think he is, and I wouldn't vote for him to go in, even though he's so clutch and so significant in NFL history, because I don't think that he's – some player to be feared when teams face the Giants. Um, and I, you know, I think great players who change your game plan and, you know, instill some sort of intimidation in the defense, you know, it's, uh, that, that's kind of a barometer um, and consistent greatness, frankly, you know, you have to be consistently great. That's what, that's my bar. But then again, the Mannings are uh, NFL royalty. His longevity as well as his clutch performances is extremely significant. Um, and unique and rare. So those things do make him a candidate, no question about it. Uh, but I do not think he warrants a Hall of Fame post. Pat, where can people find you on Twitter again? At Pete Leonard NYDN and um, uh, Pat Leonard underscore NFL on Instagram. And you can find me on uh, the New York Daily News website and on television, SNY, uh, Stadium app, download that. And uh, you can catch me any, you know, anywhere else. I've been on First Things First with FS1, and uh, you're going to see me around more often, too. So uh, catch me in all those places, and I really appreciate the time, Ken. You're a media mogul, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. All right, Pat, appreciate it, and uh, go Firebirds. Take care. Go right, Firebirds. Pat, thanks. Yeah. thanks. That's Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News, Giants beat writer. Mike Kelly joins me next to talk uh, high school football and the five games to watch this coming weekend. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast, now on Apple Podcast. Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Pack on the Parting Shots podcast, now on Apple Podcast. Please subscribe.
It's now time for the weekly appearance of sports editor Michael Kelly to tell us what five games to watch in high school football this weekend in Section 2. Week 3 of the season, Michael. It's uh, moving along fast. Almost halfway, hoping to improve my record this week. <laughs> well, let's look at the five games to watch this league. Let's start with uh, Canada Jerry at Stillwater. What do you like about this one? Sure. This is a, a fun Class C game uh, with Canajari Fort Plain, who's had uh, a nice start to their season against Stillwater, um, who might be one of the best teams in the state in this classification. Um, fun game in the Central. This is one where Stillwater could really take control of that division. Or Canajari Fort Plain, maybe, you know, if they can spring an upset here, um, that division could become, you know, pretty wide open and a lot of fun going down the stretch here. Um, I don't see that happening. I see Stillwater winning this one. Okay. Double uh, A matchup: Bethlehem at Gildalen. Bethlehem coming off a stunning thirty nothing victory over Saratoga Springs last Friday, and Gildalen rebounding with a fifty nothing win over Niskuna. What do you like about this game? This could be a pretty good matchup in uh, Class Double A. Sure, this one's really fun in that after Week One, this game didn't, you know, didn't. Uh, appear like it was going to mean a whole lot and then you get through week two and all of a sudden this is the biggest class double a game of the week um, because of the nature of class double a football where they play an eight week regular season you only get four teams into the playoffs you look at double a right now you've got shaker at two and oh you've got cba at two and oh shenandoah is at one and one but you know there's a pretty good sense they're going to be there at the end all of a sudden, this one-and-one one battle between Bethlehem and Gilderland becomes almost a you know a win-and-you're-in game. Almost, still a long way to go. But that's you know when we look back, that this might be uh, one of those games that that really played a role in who makes the playoffs here. Um, I'm going Gilderland at home. Um, Gilderland lost in Week One to Shaker, had a really nice win in Week Two. Um, and they, uh, they, I, I think they get to two and one. Yeah, you saw Bethlehem in the opener against Shenandoah. I mean, did it surprise you what they did against Saratoga? Sure. You know, so they got. I mean, Shenandoah won that week one game, forty to seven. Um, but it seems weird to say this, but when you watch high school football games, there's there's blowouts and then there's competitive blowouts, and that was a forty to seven game where Bethlehem competed the whole time. Um, so I wasn't, you know, completely stunned. Completely shocked that they beat Saratoga Springs, but the thirty to nothing really grabs your attention um, because Saratoga Springs is always, you know, they're one of those programs that's there every year, um, and they don't take losses like that. A right, Class A matchup: Boston Spot, Mahonison, Boston Spot coming off a win over Gloversville, forty-nine-six, while Mahonison lost up at Queensbury. Um, how crucial of a matchup is this in a Class A? Yeah, so this is one where, I mean, both teams have lost to Queensberry. Um, Mahonison's coming off, I mean, losing pretty big up there, where this is a chance for them at home to to try to gain some respect, try to really put themselves, you know, right into that playoff race uh, in their division. Um, you know, on, on the flip side of this, for Boston Spa, this is really a chance for them to show that they're one of the best teams in this classification. They played Queensberry very close. They then, you know, get a get a blowout win in week two. Um, so this is one of those ones where we're going to feel probably pretty differently coming out of this game about both of these teams, um, which is why uh, it's on here. And your winner is? Oh, I'm going with Boston Spa <laughs> on this one. Uh, Mechanicville Fonda, C matchup. Fonda off to a 2-0 start. Uh, very impressive. Yeah, you know, this is a Fonda program that, you know, has, has struggled these last few years. Um, two and zero with a new head coach Sean Thompson um, playing against a Mechanicville team that's that's one and one. 
um, and, and really can't afford another loss within its division because McCannifel already lost to Kansas Harry Fort Plain. Um, you know, so these are, are two teams who, you know, look pretty even. Um, at home, I think this is one that Fonda should get. That would be my pick. Um, but this is another one where, you know, when we get to week seven, um, this is an outcome that's going to mean a lot. And finally, Columbia at Amsterdam. Amsterdam 1-1. One one. Columbia at 0-2 oh in Class A. Uh, who do you like in this one? Right, so I, I, I'm going to pick Amsterdam. This game also was moved uh, just recently. It's now a Sunday 2 p.m. game. Um, the, the reason why this one is so much fun is that this one, uh, you know, very much almost is a play-in game for the playoffs. Um, because you look at this class, Troy, or you look at this division, Troy and Avril Park are going to be there in the playoffs. LaSalle already beat Columbia. Four teams make it. So whoever wins this game really puts itself in a good spot to take that fourth spot. Green Tech is out there as well. That could factor in. But pretty much if you lose this game between, you know, if you're Columbia or Amsterdam, you lose this game, it becomes very difficult to see a path to the playoffs. Okay, now it's the power rankings are out in uh, Tuesday's uh, Daily Gazette, also online at dailygazette.com if you want to see it. Not much change up in Class A in the top two spots. You still kept Shaker and uh, Shen 1-2. Uh, uh, but uh, number three, Gilderland moved up from uh, from five. Uh, Bethlehem broke into the top uh, five with that number four, while CBA uh, fell a spot to number f- five. So what um, really just uh, maybe you know, Gilderland, um, their, their victory helped them move up a little bit? Yeah, you know, almost uh, I think for Gilderland, it wasn't as much the week two win as much it was that Gilderland lost to Shaker in week one in a competitive game. And then Shaker goes to Shannon wins there. So, I mean, you can tell Shaker's you know, a, a pretty strong number one team, and Gilderland played them competitively. So, you know, you move them up there. CBA drops a, stop, drops a spot um, really just because they haven't necessarily played the competition of some of these other teams. Um, and they'll get their chance here coming up. And Bethlehem took the spot at Saratoga Springs thanks to that victory. Sure, yeah. I mean, the Sar- I think I had Saratoga at number three in week one, um, you know, and just that that's, you know, that's the biggest uh, mover, I guess, of, uh, of week one probably. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see now in week three how some of those other teams respond. Top four spots in Class A remained unchanged. Burn Hills, one. Troy, two. Avril Park, three. Queensbury, four. And um, taking over the number five spot from Amsterdam was Boston Spa. Yeah, you know, Boston Spa, you know, they, they played Queensbury so tough in week one. Um, and I think we talked about it last week that you see that result and you almost wonder, you know, because you kind of expect Queensbury to win, you know, pretty decisively. So you almost wonder, oh, is maybe Queensbury not as good as we're used to? Queensbury then in week two, you know, runs past Mahonison. Boston Spa in week two runs past Gloversville. This is a Boston Spa team that, that looks pretty good, um, you know, and, and maybe is, a, you know, a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. In Class B, the biggest mover is Holy Trinity. Another impressive victory. They moved up from uh, number four to number two. Uh, Glens Falls remains number one. But just Holy Trinity, we talked about this last week. They they make the move to Class B, and they're showing they belong. Yeah, and Class B is is such a a top-heavy classification that you just didn't really have any idea how, how Holy Trinity would fit into that of, are they going to be right in the mix with those teams? Are they going to be a level below? Um, you know, and, and pretty clearly beating Cobleskill, 
um, decisively who beat Shalmont in week one. Um, you know, Holy Trinity is, you know, you can't put anybody above Glens Falls until Glens Falls loses a game playing Class B football, which hasn't happened in a while. Um, but Holy Trinity, at least to this point, seems like they're that second best team um, in, in that class. Class C, uh, Cambridge, Salem remains number one, Stillwater number two, uh, Greenwich is three, Fonda, Fultonville four, and Canajari four playing, uh, I'm sorry, Voorheesville. Uh, number five. So I'm gonna run that by you again. Cam- Cambridge, uh, Salem one, Stillwater two, uh, Greenwich three. Really no changes there. And then Fonda Fultonville four. As we said, Voorheesville takes the place of Canajoy Fort Plain. Yeah, and this is one. Uh, you know, I think the the state rankings came out today. I think they actually had Stillwater above Cambridge Salem. Uh, I think that was how I saw it. Um, and this is one where you know Cambridge Salem and Stillwater are the top two teams. And this regular season is going to be about figuring out if there's anybody, if there's that third team that can really be a challenger. Um, within teams like three through seven, maybe eight in this class, there's not a whole lot of separation. Um, and it's really, you know, it's, we have these rankings, you know, in, in the paper, online. Um, we really don't know much about these teams, three through five, but we're very confident about, about Cambridge and Stillwater being these top two. And Class D, uh, really no changes there. You know, Chatham won, Warrensburg two, and as you mentioned in the article, Chatham and Warrensburg have combined to defeat their foes an astonishing 259 to 19 this season. How I mean, how dominant are those two teams? Yeah, I mean, this is one. You know, Whitehall has quietly been very good um, through these first couple weeks. Um, it's very difficult to see anybody really competing though with Chatham and Warrensburg. Um, you know, obviously Whitehall hasn't had a shot yet against either of those two teams that, you know, once they do, maybe we'll feel differently about it. But it just really seems like Warrensburg, who was the D champion last year, Chatham, who was the C runner-up last year and moved down. Um, it, it really feels like those are the two um, that we're going to see at the end here. Yeah, Whitehall's number three, Corinth Fort Edward four, and uh, Helderberg Valley number five. Mike, we appreciate coming on for a few minutes. We'll do this again next week. All right, thanks for having me. That's Gazette's Daily, uh, uh, Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. We'll wrap things up on the Parting Shots Podcast, now on Apple Podcast, in just a moment. Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks and defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com slash blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com slash sports. wrap up the podcast and as Sarah said look for her NFL picks along with mine at dailygazette.com I had another good week going 11-5 in week 2 to improve to 22-9-1 Sarah was only 8-8 eight and eight, and she is 17-14-1 I have a 5 game lead after 2 weeks that's truly amazing also 
Look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV coverage this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. Now it's time for a parting shot. And from time to time, I'm going to have some thoughts on things outside of the sports world, mainly on music and pop culture. For those of you who listened to my Slapshots college hockey segment on Fox Sports 980 over the years, music played a key role in the show. If I didn't have to pay licensing fees, I would have had tributes this week to Eddie Money and Rick Ocasek. Money, who had hits such as Two Tickets to Paradise, Baby Hold On, and Take Me Home Tonight, died last Friday at the age of 70. Ocasek, who helped form the Cars and had a string of hits in the 1970s and early 1980s, passed away two days later at the age of 75. This was truly a major punch in the gut. They represented two different styles of rock and roll. Money had a hard edge to him, while Ocasek was in the pop-slash-new-wave genre, but both produced great music during my teenage years and into college. While they aren't here physically anymore, their music will always be with us. The Parting Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots Podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Good day, good sports.